want to talk to you today about our series called Jesus Saves from the book of Isaiah. And there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 that says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Do you see? Do you see? What do you see? Uh, my uh, wife and I both wear glasses, and uh, right now I've got contacts in, but I've been uh, pretty blind for a long time. And uh, my oldest daughter, Ariana, uh, she's going to the first grade, and we noticed that she was sitting closer and closer to the TV. And uh, one day she went to Grandma's house, and she put on some old glasses that her grandma had, and she's like, oh, wow, uh, I can see leaves. And she was looking at a tree, and it's like the leaves had had definition to her, and she didn't know that they didn't have that much definition before. So since then, uh, before we could get to the eye doctor, uh, we kept asking her, do you see that? Can you see this? Can you see that? Can you see this? And so now, needless to say, she's getting glasses. But it's kind of that aha moment when you've been used to the sight that you've had for so long, and then someone gives you some glasses to put on, and then you say, oh, wow, uh, I can see that. That's kind of like it is in Scripture. We talk about heaven. What is heaven to you? Uh, do you see it clearly? For some people, I think, um, they're not done with living life here yet. Maybe that's you today. Uh, well, what is heaven? Why would I want to go there? Some people think, well, heaven's no fun. There's no fun in heaven. Uh, you, you don't party. You don't have sex. You, you can't do drugs. You can't drink. Uh, you know, I've got still life to live. I want to go do some things. Or uh, i still got things I want to do. Or maybe even to a lesser degree, say, well, no, I really, uh, I'd like to get married. Or I want to see my kids grow up. And what we've done is we've pretty much built heaven here on the earth. Uh, for ourselves and we don't see clearly we haven't had that aha moment of why would we want to go to heaven and would you want to go to heaven right now I think another problem sometimes is the gloom of this world's trouble for Christians or believers is that we've been so uh, caught off guard by the things that are going on today that we become fearful we've become anxious uh, it's so gloomy it's cloudy in the world today and heaven's kind of lost its glory but kind of like a person who would put those glasses on and say, oh wow, I see it now, I get it. Why would I want to go to heaven? Why would I want to be there? What does it really have to offer me? Heaven's not going to make sense until you see Jesus more clearly. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today. Getting a clear image of heaven by getting a clear image of Him. Getting a clear image of heaven by getting a clear image of him. And here's the key verse, if you have your Bible, in Isaiah chapter 33, verse 17. It says this. It says, Your eyes will see the king and his beauty. They will behold a far distant land. Your eyes will see the king and his beauty. And you will behold, they will behold a far distant land. Two things, just seeing Jesus and seeing the land that he's prepared for us. Why would you want to go to heaven, and would you want to go there today? Have you built heaven here on the earth for you? Are you, there things you want to do and you're waiting for? Has this life gotten so gloomy, uh, and it's just hard to get the glory from heaven and see what it's all about? Uh, let's look in Isaiah just for a moment. Let me give you the background. If you're in Isaiah chapter 33, we're going to be in chapter 33, 34, and 35. 
And if you have it, you just put your finger there and uh, let's go together. So let me give you the background just for a second. Isaiah, he has saw the Lord seated on a throne in Isaiah chapter 6. So he sees the Lord in his glory. Everybody's saying, holy, holy, holy. And he's captivated by it. Uh, and he gets this word from God. And, he tell, and God tells them, these people are going to keep on seeing, but they're not going to see. They're going to keep on hearing, but they're not going to hear. What had happened is Israel and Judah, the divided kingdom, had uh, basically turned from God. They began to tell their prophets, uh, only prophesy good things. They began to tell their seers, like prophets, only see good things. They began to uh, oppress one another. They began to mix pagan superstition in their lives. They began to mix pagan alliances and trust in military might more than the power of God. And they turned to other nations. So God begins to judge not only those nations, but Israel and Judah. And God tells Israel and Judah, hey, you're going to go into exile uh, for a time until your discipline is completed. And they wouldn't hear Isaiah. They wouldn't hear the prophets. They refused to listen. They, had, they were having the good life now. And... They said in their hearts in Isaiah 29, verse 15, that God doesn't see us. They acted as if God wasn't there. They didn't see God, and they didn't think God saw them. And isn't that just like the world today? We go on our lives, we don't think God sees all that we're doing, and, and I'm guilty of it. And every day, we can fall into these traps and snares of sin, and it's as if you're living your life as if God's not really watching. And in your heart, you just focused on your own things. You're focused on your own pleasures, your own wants, your own desires. And that's just like Israel and Judah. God doesn't see us. And worst of all, they believed all of their good works, all their religious traditions would save them, despite all their disobedience. And so God says, because of the blindness of your heart, I'll cause you to just fall into that blindness. In seeing, you'll not see any longer. And that would exist all the way through the time, up into the time of Jesus. God said, one day when your oppression was done and Israel, you come into this uh, exile and you've come back, I'm going to send you a Messiah, a Savior. And he says, there are going to be some people who are going to see. In Isaiah chapter 31, verse 6, he says, when you're willing to return to me, uh, this time is going to fall away where uh, your eyes are going to be open. And he says to them, and Isaiah chapter 30 says, they will see their teacher and their ears are going to hear again. And that really paints this picture of what happens when Jesus comes. Uh, Isaiah sees this first coming where some people, this holy remnant, actually begin to see him. And we see that in, in uh, the Gospels where Jesus says, these people are just, they're turned from me and they're just not seeing and their eyes are blind. And But some people were. Some people would see him and they would get really what he was all about. Especially when he began to say things like, the kingdom of heaven is here at hand. So here's Isaiah and he prophesies in Isaiah 9, he says, Those who walked in darkness would see a great light. So let's bring it all together. Isaiah says these people aren't seeing, but one day they will see. One day they're going to see their king. They're going to see heaven. He says in that verse, Isaiah 33, Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They'll behold a far distant land. You'll see the king. You'll see the land. So Isaiah in Isaiah chapter uh, 33, it's as if Isaiah stands on this mountain, and he looks ahead and he sees things. He sees Jesus coming. He sees God's judgment on the world. And then he sees that far distant land. So I'm, let's talk about that far distant land just for a minute. Heaven. Why would you want to go there? Look in Isaiah chapter 35 verse 1. Do you see? Do you see? Let's look at this. 
Isaiah chapter 35, verse 1 through 10. The wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the Arabah, the desert, will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus flower, it will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and a shout of joy. And the glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They'll see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Encourage the exhausted, strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be open and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. For the waters will break forth in the wilderness and the streams of the Arabah. And the scorched land will become a pool and the thirsty grounds of springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, its resting place, grass becomes reeds and rushes. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way. And fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor will any vicious beast go upon it. These will not be found there. But the redeemed will walk there, and the ransom of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion. With everlasting joy upon their heads, they will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. What is heaven? Heaven is the chief place where God is. That's ultimately what the definition of heaven is. It's the place where God rules and where he reigns, all right? There's a lot of things we can talk about heaven, uh, and we're not going to get into those things. I just want to give you three big things today and close it with a fourth. That heaven is where he is. But number first thing that heaven really is, is a place of victory. It's, Isaiah says, he says, this is a place for the ransomed of the Lord. Okay, so watch this. Isaiah says, this guy, he's a perfect king, he's a perfect judge, he's a perfect lawgiver. He's, a, he's got a, he's not, there's no checks and balances in heaven with God. There's just God, right? We don't have to have all this stuff that we have to have in man's kingdom. A president, a congress, you know, a senate and a house and a, a judicial branch, the supreme court. God's God. He's perfect. And yet, here's the thing. He's perfect. He's holy. So nothing unclean is going to be there. He says, No one I in Revelation that practices abomination or lying shall enter there. John the Apostle, he says, No carnal man, no sorcerer, no sexually immoral, no murderer, idolater, anybody who loves or practices falsehood. Paulie, we even add into that list. He says that no adulterer, no homosexual, no thief, no greedy drunkard, or anyone with abusive speech, that eliminates a lot of people on Facebook and social media today. No swindlers will enter into this place. And so ultimately you get this idea, only perfect people are gonna be there and we're all guilty. So how is that gonna happen? He says, but I want you to do something. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Look in verse four of chapter 35. Encourage the exhausted, strengthen the feeble. This is going to be a place for the poor in spirit. It's going to be a place for those who have given up their self-works and said, Lord, I'm not good enough. That they're the poor in spirit, the meek, the lowly, the feeble, the exhausted, those who turn to him for the solution. That they say, we turn to you, we repent, we trust in your word. And he says, this humble people will be redeemed by their repentant hearts and by trusting in their words that he will pay the price for their sin. We'll get into Isaiah 53 later. But he's going to pay the price for their sin. And this is good news. And it says uh, he's going to make a way. Look, he says there's going to be this highway, this road there. It's called a highway of holiness. And three times a year, Jewish males would 
would go to the Holy Land of Jerusalem to worship God. And sometimes it would be kind of a treacherous journey. Robbers and thieves and, and vicious animals would be there. Uh, and it kind of, he makes this parallel about how hard it is to get to heaven. Uh, traditionally, with the works and the law, man, uh, it was not a good, good thing. Uh, a hard road and few found it. He says, but this highway is going to be raised. It's going to be elevated. It's going to be like a paved interstate going through the desert that before is this windy, uh, rocky road. Now it's a straight and narrow road. Jesus says, I am the way, and it's through me. And it's not of the works that you do, but Paul would say it's by grace through faith. It's an easy way. He says, take my yoke. It's easy. My burdens are light. That your way has been hard and laborious, and few are going to get there. But if you come my way, I have made a pathway. It's a pathway of holiness, of sanctification. It's not easy by any means, but it's not something you do. It's something He has done, and He's done the work. So He'll be our victory. He'll be our path. He'll make a way. And what does that way look like? It means that He begins to fight for those who couldn't fight for themselves. It means that He cancels sin's debt. He destroys the serpent, the devil. That Isaiah 25 says He swallows up death for all time. That He'll wipe away every tear and the reproach of His people. Now can you imagine, it's a place of victory, but can you imagine this? Can you imagine waking up every day and not having to try to be good enough? Maybe today you're struggling with addiction or anxiety, depression, uh, lust, pride, all the things that we all struggle with. And there's been times in my life where I've been like, God, I'm just so tired of, tired of trying and failing, tired of trying to be good enough, trying to not fail anymore, trying to succeed, trying to not make mistakes. You ever get that way? Tired? And in this place, it's a place of victory. And in this place, there's no sin, there's no temptation, there's no Satan, no more schemes, there's no death, there's no more loss, there's no sinners, there's no more crime, there's no more evil. Suffering and death and loss are gone. And it'll just be a day of victory. Every day, you're going to get up and be a winner. Think about that. Every day, you're going to be victorious. I don't know even what that is going to be like. Just get a glimpse of it. Right. So number one, it's a day. It's a place of victory. Number two, because of that victory, it's a place of rejoicing. We sing that song, Oh, When the Saints Go Marching In. And, uh, and in New Orleans, they played a lot for funerals and, and parades and things. And looks, that's what he says in Isaiah 35, verse 10. The ransomed of the Lord will come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads. What does that mean? And why is it? Why are they shouting? What's joyful? Well, I just told you it's a place of victory. But even more than that, it's a place of eternal blessing. All right? They're going to find gladness and joy. He says, sorrow and sighing will flee away. What does that mean? It means war is going to end. Division is going to end. Racism is going to end. Hatred is going to end. Revelation 22 says that the river of life will come from the throne. And on each side of that river is going to be this tree of life for the healing of the nations. The things are going to be made right again. That there's going to be complete healing in the, in the nations, in the heart of man. But even in, the, he says in verse 5, he says, The eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will, be, deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. So, you know, when Jesus came, 
He says even to John the Baptist, tell John what I, what's going on when I showed up. Uh, heaven's come down to earth. The kingdom of heaven is here. And he says, uh, in Luke chapter 7, verse 22, he says, the blind is seeing, the lame are walking, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf to hear, the dead are being raised. All that's a foreshadow of what real heaven, the heaven is going to be like in the total fullness. All right, so forget it. For, for instance, Isaiah 33 says, no longer in anybody in this place, this place is such a place of rejoicing. No one's ever going to say, hey, I'm sick. Especially in the COVID-19 world that we live in, we're confessing that we've got COVID and, oh, so-and-so's sick. And did you hear that so-and-so's sick? No longer will we ever say so-and-so, Johnny's sick or Susan's sick. You'll never get up any day with a cold anymore. Nobody will die of cancer anymore. Revelation 21 says there's no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. The first things have passed away. Unspeakable joy. Can you imagine? Think, just think about this. For some people, born blind, the first thing they're going to see is heaven. They're going to see Jesus. For some people who've never walked, the first place they're going to walk is on streets of gold. For, first, for some people who've never heard a single word, the first thing they're going to hear is angelic voices singing holy, holy. For some people who've never talked in their life, the mute, the first thing they're going to sing is shouts of praise, glory in the highest. And, the, the, and the Isaiah paints this picture that when a lame man is healed, he's not just going to walk through heaven. He's going to leap. He's going to shout. Some people who've never had a father, the first father they're going to have is God the Father. Completely free. Can you imagine every single person who's ever died in pain, suffering, or mourning, or loss, who's ever died tragically, all at one moment being completely free and healed. I think about that verse and, I, and, and that Jesus says in Luke chapter 15, he says there's joy in the presence of God's angels when just one sinner repents. Can you imagine the joy that's going to be there? Not just when one sinner repents, but when all of those sinners, now saints, have come home, that at one moment all of this has been done, it's been completed. Can you imagine the shouting, the rejoicing, of millions and millions of people who are saved, healed, delivered, set free, uh, completely restored mind, body, and soul just being like, boom, all together at one time. Man, there's no church service you've ever been to, no ball game, no event, no time when your kid's at a home run that are ever going to compare to those first moments that are, and it's really forever, that all God's saints, all God's kids have come home. It's going to be a place of rejoicing like the universe, not just the world, that the universe has never seen. Completely free. Psalm 16, in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Wow. A place of victory, it's a place of rejoicing. Number three, it's a place of perfection. Perfect order. Uh, he says, The wilderness and the desert will be glad. The Araba, which is a desert place near the Dead Sea, will rejoice and blossom like this crocus flower. It'll blossom profusely and rejoicing with rejoicing and the shout of joy. What does he say? Basically, all nature is going to be redeemed. We've talked about this before, but he says the wolf and the lamb and the, the lion and the cow, they all lie together. All of nature will be redeemed and not harm one another anymore. No more... You don't have to worry about a kid picking up some snakes or something. It's not going to harm them. That we're all going to be perfectly uh, made. Our new redeemed bodies. 
Not only that, but there's going to be complete restoration of, of the earth, that the Dead Sea area, by the tangible glory of the Lord, even deserts are going to blossom. Isaiah sees that the earth's going to be full of the knowledge of the Lord because the curse of sin and its effects is growing. Remember Romans says that, Paul says that uh, even creation is groaning, waiting for that day for the redemption uh, and the, the revelation of God's people. And so all of, all of creation is going to be made right again, right? He says there's going to be no hunger, no thirst, no suffering of natu uh, natural pain in Revelation chapter 7. There's going to be perfect order. Nature's going to be redeemed. There's going to be a perfect supply. He says the scorched land will become a pool and thirsty ground spring of water. That's in verse 35. And some translate that as not just the scorched land, but a mirage. You know what it's like to have a mirage in the desert where the, the heat is kind of hazy on top of the sand. Uh, you'll see it sometimes on top of your cars and things. And he's like, what was once hazy before in a dry and weary land will now be a reality. For instance, the things you've been searching for, that you really long for in your life, you're going to find it. And this wilderness we call the world, it'll turn like a beautiful garden once again. That Garden of Eden will come back. And everything people longed for now will be a reality. That their thirst for something real and tangible is going to be. Can you imagine a place where every single person belongs? They know their identity. No longer will you wonder if God really loves you. You'll have his perfect knowledge, your, your perfect identity in him. You'll no longer go from relationship to relationship. You'll love everyone completely and you'll be completely loved. You'll never strive to be more than you are. You'll be exactly as you should be. And that alone for so many people hurting today is good news completely made right. Maybe you're worried today. Maybe you don't feel you're enough. Maybe you're not satisfied with life. Think about that song that Bono sings, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Uh, you'll find what you're looking for there. It'll be perfect. A place of eternal blessing. Eternity will be redeemed. And look upon, he says in Isaiah 33 verse 20, he says, look upon Zion, the city of our appointed feast. Your eyes will see Jerusalem. Remember, you'll see it. An undisturbed habitation, a tent on which will not be folded. Its stakes will never be pulled up, nor any of its cores torn apart. What is he saying? It's going to be a permanent dwelling. Eternity will be redeemed. Sometimes good things fade, but not there. For instance, this place is going to be so eternal, so permanent. The city of God, he says, I see this new Jerusalem, and it's never going to fade. It's never going to go away. It's going to be permanent. It's like that trust fund that parent has kept for their child uh, until the day that they really need it. That, that thing that God has been stored up, he says, I go to make a place for you, a place where you're going to be with me always. He says, that place will come. It's that same place that Abraham looked for. He says, I'm looking for a city, Hebrews says, to which foundations God has built. That it's this eternally non-shakable kingdom. That city, uh, he says, is going to be eternity. It's going to be timeless. It'll never fade away. It's never going to... I mean, you have a house. I'm at my house here today. And, you know, all the time uh, you're having to paint something or fix something or repair something. And, and, and if I were to live here for 50 years, no doubt we'd have to do more remodels and more remodels to keep it going. But in God's house, in God's place where God dwells in this perfect city, things don't fade away. There's no loss with time. Time is no longer a factor. So, for instance, 
all the things you're striving for today. You'll never worry if your kids have enough. You'll never compare yourself to people across the street. You'll never run out of time to get everything done. What is that permanent city? It's the place where you and I dwell together with Him. Paul says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor entered into the heart of man, even imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. It's hard to comprehend and to see, and like I said about those glasses, to put it on and have some definition. And let me bring it home with this. We go on talking about heaven. And heaven's a place of victory, it's a place of rejoicing, it's a place of eternal blessing, and we could add and add and add to that list. But ultimately it's this, it's a place where He is. It's a place where He is. Think about this, what He says in Isaiah 33:17, which we started with. Your eyes will see the King and His beauty. They will behold a far distant land. Heaven doesn't make sense until you see Jesus and His beauty. It'll never be clear, and more than anything, it's where He is. It, Revelation says that He will dwell among His people and He'll be their God. There's no longer a temple there, because He's the temple, and we're the temple with Him. There's no longer a need for a sun or a moon, because He's our light. He's going to shine. He's the one that brings all this together. He's the one that is our perfect victory. He's the one in whom we rejoice. He's the one in whom our eternal blessing is in. It's in Him. He is our, our husband if we're the bride. He's the head if we're the body. It's all about being connected to Him. And even that's why He says, I go to prepare a place for you that you will be with me. Heaven is ultimately about getting to Jesus. More than the streets of gold, more than the crystal sea, more than the no pain and suffering, more than a life eternal, more than all these things and being with your loved ones. Heaven is where He is. Look what it says in Revelation 22, 4, is that we will see Him face to face. Paul says we'll be with Him always. I love what Spurgeon said, and I'll just read you this quote before we close. He says, I bear my testimony that there is no joy to be found in all this world like that of sweet communion with Christ. I would barter all else there is of heaven for that. Indeed, that is heaven. As for the harps of gold and the streets like clear glass and the songs of seraphs and the shouts of the redeemed, one could very well give all these up, counting them all as a drop in a bucket, if we might forever live in fellowship and communion with Jesus. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. John, 1 John chapter 3 says, We shall be like Him and we shall see him as he is that's heaven where you enjoy the beauty of god and bring it all back to what isaiah saw at the very beginning he said i see the lord and the train of his robe filled the temple he saw angels captivated by the lord saying holy 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 and they could not cease to say this because they were so captivated by his glory by his beauty you'll see the king in his beauty and your eyes will see a far distant land you see, heaven is really the reality of being with Jesus. Why would you want to go to heaven? Would you go there today if you could? As I said at the very beginning, the problem for so many is that we've built this earth, this place, this life to be our heaven now. We want to see our kids do certain things. We want to 
get married. We, we want to live our life. We want to enjoy the pleasures of this world, the comforts of this world. We want to live it up for a little while before God comes or before we die. Does that really speak to about what we want in life? Do you see the King in His beauty? Are you so attracted to Jesus that He's the most beautiful thing in your life, that you'll want to be, if you could be there right now, you'd want to see Him? For some of you, that's very true. And I pray that you'll see Him even more and more clearly in these last days, that you'll be so captivated by Him, not just going to heaven, but by Him, that your eyes will see Him in His beauty. And then that's how you'll behold that far distant land. You'll see that He's the one who's made all things good, all things new. That in Him, that's where you find your victory, your rejoicing, that your eternal blessing is in knowing and seeing Him. So where are you at today? Paul said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What's that glory? To actually see Jesus. To actually see Jesus. Do you see? Do you see? I want to pray for you today that you would put on those glasses to see the beauty of Jesus. To see all that He is and all that He's done for you. That we're, our eyes will get off of this world and get our eyes on Him, the author, perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before Him endured a cross for us, that we would be with Him. He looked ahead and saw the day where you and I would be with Him for eternity. Can you do that today? You take a moment and pray. God, let me see You. Lord, that I see You for who You are. So, Father, I pray today for every person watching and listening to this online. God, that we would see You. Lord, that we're not captivated by the fleshly things, the lusts of the eyes, the lusts of the flesh, the pride of life. God, that we're not so focused on this earth and building heaven here that we're not overwhelmed by the gloom of this world but God that we look to your word and we put on those glasses Lord to see you in your glory and your beauty to behold all that you've done for us and all that you're going to do for us that you are the most beautiful thing the most attractive thing in our life is you so Father forgive us where we have not seen like the people in Isaiah's day We've rejected the call of God to repent, to come to you. We've rejected your revelation. So, Father, I pray that we would come to your word. Lord, that you'd open our eyes to see that heaven can be a reality, even now, Lord, for those who are struggling with their identity, with their issues in their life, with their who they are and where they belong, and, Lord, seeking things on this earth. Lord, I pray that you would give them a foretaste of heaven, that the kingdom of heaven has come as the Holy Spirit, that same spirit that would be the river of life, that river of life would begin to flow in us, even on this earth, Father, that he is the promise, the seal of that eternity with you. So, Lord, I pray for more Holy Spirit in our life, more revelation of your word in our life, and, God, that we would live life, live these lives so captivated by all that you are and all that you're going to do, that we would push everything else aside for the sake of the upward call of Jesus Christ. Count all things as rubbish for the sake of knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a window into heaven I can close my eyes and see Where there are no 
the soul there is set free And the deaf they are shouting Cause the blind can finally see And the crippled legs are dancing Out across There's a special place in heaven All the unborn babies play Rocked in arms by mamas Whose chance it slipped Oh, we- 